Welcome to the Move, Eat, and Re-Energize podcast show, where we sit down and have conversations with interesting and inspiring legends about mindset, movement, nutrition, and bringing more energy into your day. Today's interview was a little different. The legend that is Sally Carter has taken up the interviewer's role, and I'm sitting in the hot seat this week. So we chat about how when I was a kid, I was the happiest only when being active, and how I forgot this in my early 20s, which led to me becoming an alcoholic that racked up a crazy amount of debt lost a house, and eventually led me to be to a psychologist who planted the seed of me becoming a PT. Um, we also go into the struggles I've had personally with addiction to pre-workouts, alcohol, hard and intense training, being burned by a business partner, and much more. It's Sally's and my hope that this podcast episode gives you some insight into how the CJ River came to be, and although we couldn't cover everything, this is a very raw and transparent look into my past my present and hopes for the future. So let's get into it. Hey everyone, it's Sally here. I have the um, very distinct pleasure and honour of being able to interview Chris this morning um, for the Move Eat, Move Re-Energize podcast. Morning, Chris. Morning. Hey guys. How are you? I'm pretty good. Sort of standing in the dungeon downstairs and it is freezing. So I'm standing and yeah. pacing on the spot to keep my legs warm. Nice one, moving part of your um, training. Um, it's a bit of a morning doing the groceries. I'm going to do a massive cook-up today. Um, so sort of plan the plan the week out for food and that sort of thing for for the family. And um, yeah, really excited to be um, to be chatting with you and to. Um, have you on the, uh, I guess, the interviewee side of the podcast today? <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for doing it. It's awesome. No, it's a pleasure, as I said, and an honour. So um, I'm guessing you'd like to kick it off. I was thinking maybe if you'd like to m- go through your history, um, sort of the relationship with your body, food and movement from sort of when you can remember whether that was, you know, like early years or teenage years uh, through to now. Yeah, cool. So I'll go back to... Something I didn't know for ages, but when I was a kid, my parents used to always say, if I wasn't able to be out and moving around and being physical, I was just a terror to be around, which is like most kids, I think. But I was like, they said I was unbearable unless I was able to be outside and playing. I never did my homework, never did any of that kind of stuff. And when I got home from school, I went outside and I wasn't back inside until the sun went down. And then moving on to when I got older and like my parents separated and everything, we, I think as normal when you sort of get your freedom and I left home, I stopped going like exercising and stuff. So Mm -hmm. not knowing reasons why or whatever, but I sort of got into drinking as you do when you're like 21 and stuff like that. And I got a super addictive personality. So I went in pretty hard to drinking, but just binge week drinking on the weekend, which at the time I thought was okay. But it sort of escalated. And the I didn't know what it was at the time, but I had depression through the week. Well, probably had depression all the time, but the alcohol was my saving grace on the weekend. And I went through this for maybe four years and then I went off it for a bit and went back on and still didn't really click on the whole movement thing based on making me feel better mentally and I was playing soccer and stuff but that was like every now and then like on the weekend and two sessions a week but everything else was about working to get to the weekend to drink to work again to get to the weekend and drink and went on for ages and I bought thing did things like I bought a house when I was sort of semi-drunk 
and agreed to it and went through all that, which was a dumb idea at the time because they're the first home buyers. And yeah, okay, of, yeah. Did a lot of stupid stuff in a sense like had the house and did really well at the start and got more paid off, but then the drinking got out of control where I redrew on the house and yeah, I wow. got credit yeah. cards, rolled them into car loans and had like a, I think like a $60,000 car loan, like a conjoined loan, which is credit cards and everything rolled in when you meant to cut up your credit cards, mm. but because I paid them off, I just used them again. So I just yeah, okay. went very hard down that line. It took me a long time to figure out what was going on. And it was my boss at the time where I was working at Midway Metals sort of, he, I didn't rock up to work. I passed out in the lounge room on a beanbag watching a movie after a big night on a Sunday night and woke up and it was about 10 o'clock in the morning to a knock on the door and it was my boss and the secretary at the door. She was worried that I might have hurt myself because she saw me out that night mm-hmm. and the boss was there and he goes, good, you're alive and just jumped back in the car and drove off. And wow. I got changed and went to work and he sat me down and goes, look, you've been, this has been going on for way too long. That's your last warning and you will we'll sack you if you do it again. And he was kind of like yeah. a dad authority with me. I was worked there for like 10 years by this stage or maybe probably not, not yeah, 10 years, probably okay. seven years. So it really yeah. woke me up to it and I rung Beyond Blue, funny enough, and talked yeah, to them. Okay. They referred me to, a, to go to a doctor and my parents have all been on antidepressants and stuff. I'm like, I've got nothing against it, but I wanted to do everything I could without it. So I went to yeah. the psychologist and all come things like went on for three years. We tried drinking a little bit, not drinking much, not drinking anything. And that's what seemed to work best. But I still had like depression and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then she goes, what's the, what's the only thing that makes you happy? And I was like soccer and exercises that stayed. I started training to get better at soccer because the only thing that brought joy. Yeah. And she was the one who planned the seed. And she goes, have you ever thought about becoming a PT and just doing that for your job? And didn't think about it. I was like, oh, yeah, and sort of no way. I thought about that and just kept working what I was doing, which was training more often now. Got a trainer, worked with somebody who was a mate and then played soccer and got to a higher level with soccer because I was losing weight and everything. And then, yeah. strangely enough, the secretary where I was working, the one who came out and checked that I was alive, she said, mm. she would come into my office and said, oh, I'm signed up to a PT course. You should do it. And I'm like, oh, when's the start? And she's like, tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And I looked at it and literally signed up the next day and started doing the PT course. Yeah. And that's how I got into becoming a PT. And wow. that's the start of it all. And then it sort of, then the, sort of when I gave up alcohol, I still looked for something to deal with whatever stuff was going on with me, which I was seeing a psychologist, but I still was looking for an outsource to turn my brain off, which ended up being training and training really hard. And to keep that level of training up, I had to take some kind of supplement to keep me going. And I got addicted again to something else, which was to pre-workout subs, which at the time they were so potent. They're not as potent as they are now, but this one we got addicted to end up being banned because it was like two elements away from being classified as a drug. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And like this stuff, like kids were taking it and staying awake for like three days and we were using it to do our Mm. workouts and yeah. Anyways, that's the start of how like 
I've always been like a movement guy, but didn't know for a long time that yeah. me being my happiest person is always to be moving like every day. And if I don't, even if it's like two days, Kat knows it straight away and she's like, you need to get out and do something. Go do, go train somewhere. Don't come back until you're yeah. Which is kind of, it's good well, now I, that I can see it, but taking me through like 12 years to figure it out. I think too though, and like when you're saying how, you know, you sorry of evolved and you know your honesty is just so refreshing because you know that's one of I think person's biggest fears is to be vulnerable but by having that ability to reach out to Beyond Blue as you did and then speak to a psychologist it allowed you to sort of it sounds like have that ability to look into what makes you tick and I think a lot of us haven't worked that out yet you know what actually why do we do what we do and like you said you know sort of coming into PT have evolved based on what you're like as a child right through to that carrying right through to you as an adult so with that and with you know moving into your career as a a PT um, what sort of obviously your philosophy's changed a lot over that time where did it start to where it is now um interesting enough like I kind of not but do bag out on CrossFit a bit just because of how crazy it is. But when I started, mm-hmm. I took the CrossFit style and put it into something that I thought was, in my mind, safer and better. Still very high yeah. intensity, but we just focused on the things that were important using the training that I've got and not as varied mm-hmm. as what CrossFit is. But when, when I started my first gym, which was Cross Border Fitness, it was like, yeah, it was a, the strength component, then that metabolic conditioning stuff where it's like, strength exercises thrown together for circuits and rinse, wash, repeat for the next day with different movements, yeah. rinse, wash, repeat, next day, different movements. And it was really, mm. at the time, it was super high intensity because even when I was doing that, I was joining in that training myself and doing it myself during the middle of the day outside of class times. Yeah. I was still in that zone of taking those pre-workouts. It was one of my first gym. I was still using the pre-workouts to get through that high intensity training. So, Still burning yeah. the candle at both ends, like working very hard. Yeah, so you've kind, but you kind of changed, I guess, your drug of choice in a sense of going from alcohol and then into those supplements that kind of allowed you to keep that movement up and stay stimulated and be able to, you know, run. So you ran your own business right from the get go. Yeah, well, I did start at a gym, yeah. but did like stupidly i was at nine years at midway medals a place i was working and when mm-hmm. i decided i wanted to become a pt i said oh, i'm going to leave and become a pt and work at this gym and they said that's that's amazing and i said i might wait six months or wait a couple of months so i can get my it was literally nine months and nine years and eight months i was up to so i might wait a little bit so i yeah. get the long service leave and they said, no, 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 you'll get prorated. Mm. So why wait? Just go do it now if you've got a job, which I did have a job that I could go to. Someone was going to hire me yeah. straight away. And the business yeah. said, yeah, no worries. Go do it now. You'll get prorated. And gave them four weeks notice and they didn't say anything until the very last day, which is the, the going away meal for me leaving. They mm. said, oh, we, yeah. there's no prorata in New South Wales, so you've lost your long service. Oh, no. So I went because I went into it knowing that I would have like maybe three or four weeks where I wouldn't have work yet 
and I have to bill clients up. Mm. Like I'd say I'll have yep. this payment from this thing. And this is with the yeah. massive alcohol debt I had over my head as well. And yeah. went into that. And so I was ropeable when I left there, but went into the PT business and the gym I worked for didn't really work out. It wasn't the thing I was after. It was a 24-hour gym. And I wanted to be yeah. a PT there and they wanted me on the phone to get people to sign up but don't let them come in. The whole model was about, yeah, sign up and be a client but we try not to let them come in because if they use the equipment, we have to change it, like renovate, like um. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was all about lots of sign-ups um... but try not to really push the element of them coming in to do a workout, which was totally <laughs> against the values. I was like, this oh, is God. terrible. Yeah. So yeah. left there and then started training people in mobile PT. So I was, Auburudonga was my hub and I'd drive out to Walla, which would be 45 minutes away and train. I think it was like two to three people out there and then do a group class in a, on a footy oval that night. And then yep. another day yep. I would go to Estale, which is up in the mountains near the snow and do the same thing, do yeah. a group there and train a few people at their farms. And I basically did mobile PT for about a year. Mm -hmm. I opened my first gym, which was in Wodonga and ran the gym there for seven months. But Kat just moved up around that time that we opened up and yeah. I would start at 4, 4.30 in the morning and get home at 9 o'clock at night and she was working during the day. Yeah. So we would never see each other and I pushed really hard. We got really successful in my eyes in the yeah. gym and everyone loved it. But I, after the gym clo closed for Christmas, I collapsed for two weeks and just lied in bed and I was using supplements oh. to keep the work up, to keep the energy because I was doing two classes in the morning, three at night and PT in the middle of the day, every day of the week oh, and goodness. just, yeah. just pretty much cooked myself out and I had to find mm. another way of um, trying to bring someone in to help. And I had PTs working for me at that stage, but it was still a lot of like, it was just really hard to juggle everything. So I merged yeah. and I merged with a guy who was a mate at the time. He was a boxing coach and he had a really big facility in Aubrey, which is literally like it's only five minutes away from where I was on the, across the water. And merging with him just said, like everyone was telling us it was a no-brainer. It made sense. I'll do the training and he'd do the boxing classes and huge facility. We could yeah. get like a massive turnover business-wise and everyone would be happy. And yeah. went into it and... It, probably lasted three months it started yeah. off really well and it just got worse and worse and the relationship with me and the boxing coach just got really bitter because mm -hmm. his model was all cash based and people pay cash and you just take money out of cash to do whatever you want to do for the day food wise that's how yeah. he ran his business and okay. i wanted to make a proper business where people signed up for contracts so we could run it properly and we yeah. just kept clashing yeah, and he sort of we had a big falling out and he wanted to sell the gym and move away and the, all this shit happened. And literally this all happened in August and Kat and I were getting married in September and I hadn't even focused on the wedding because I was trying to survive what was happening with this gym. And, yeah. and my old man was in town and I was talking to him about it and it was Kat and I were writing down goals and I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad. Always have been because I wanted to be around the kids as much as I could. So yeah. we figured it all out and looked at it and we were like, even if I buy the gym off him, that's not what I want to do. 
And yeah. what I was getting passionate about was coaching people online. So we sort of, Kat and I was like, nah, don't buy it. So we we put an offer in and then we took it back because he wanted more money. And we ended up saying, no, we don't want it anymore. We're going to pack up and get out. And he just got really bitter and really uh, angry about it. The, yeah. So dad and me went in there on the weekend. He was down in Melbourne. We packed everything up, all my gear. I wasn't on the lease or anything. So it was a really bad business model when we got into it. It was just handshakes. So it was a stupid idea. But we packed up everything, got mm. it all out over the weekend and I was done. So I closed up the gym myself. Yeah. Got all my guys to come yeah. over to Lone Dog where I contract to now and Lone Dog hired me. Mm-hmm. Really good Because I was going to leave the industry because I just okay. felt yeah. so shit about it's it all and it. got burned by a few people up to that stage. And I was like, yeah. this is not what I like. I keep getting burnt by people that are close to me and yeah. really struggled to get on. So I just wanted to focus on the wedding that was coming up for us. That mm. sounded weird, yeah. our wedding. And then, <laughs> nah. <laughs> and I actually really yeah. enjoyed the lead up to the wedding because it was the last, it was four weeks until I got out of the gym, moved everyone to Lone Dog and they started I started with them in October. I was going to go on for them from then on from there. So I knew I had work coming, yeah. which was good. So I just chilled yeah. to decide what I was going to do. So in the lead up to the wedding, yeah. I created the CJ rubric. So wow. we sort of had the wedding. It was super awesome. We went away camping for the week over in, um, on the coast. No power and he just sort of mm-hmm. chilled out and just relaxed and then started mm, ramping up the rubric after we come back. It was a good finish to yeah. the shitness of the start of that year that year was probably my yeah. favorite year in memory just everything that happened yeah. turned out to be so good in the yeah. end yeah it's interesting isn't it because we were having this conversation before we started and that was about the perspective and the way you look at things and like you're saying going through your journey the amount of lessons that you've learned and the amount of growth that's happened throughout that time has led you to where you are now yeah and i don't think if I stayed in Wodonga and battled it out myself, I probably wouldn't be in the industry. And I think if I bought the gym off him, Kat and I wouldn't be together anymore. Because she yeah, was like, wow. I, like, I love you to death, but you are basically a zombie around me. And yeah. that's when we're like, so what was our priorities? And my goal was always to be like that stay-at-home dad thing. Yeah, and I was about to say, yeah, cut two. You, um... <laughs> Yeah. There and then being a stay-at-home dad and then, yeah, totally different balance of life. Yeah, and it's kind of like seeing my, she's, well, her seeing me burnt out so much running a gym by myself and then having a bigger facility, which would mean one more work, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Like on paper, we're looking at like, it doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to do it because I think it's the thing I should do as a PT, have your own gym. And the yeah. thing I was passionate about at that stage was actually trying to help people out t- outside of the gym sessions, which I think gets more results in the end. Yeah, and that's sort of what the CJ Rubric philosophy is about, isn't it? It's not about a, you know, come in for three sessions a week and then that will change where you are and get results that you want. It's about that 24-7, 365 for life. Yeah, and it's kind of like... People sort of think when I talk about that, like I'm, it's like a really extreme thing, but it's more like making it really easy to get the goal you want by doing stuff more regularly, but not as extreme as like trying to go to a gym, like 
not picking on anyone, anything in particular, but like F45 promotes go five, six times a week, maybe even two times a day. And they're just super high intensity, which gives really good results. But I'll put my hand up and say, when I push super, super hard and use supplements to push past my limit, I eventually burn out and couldn't get results on any kind of training for like a year because my body needed to recover. Like we just have about maintenance as well. Yeah, that's right. And how long can you maintain that volume of training for, or that way of eating for? You know, and um, those plans, as you say, not you know, a lot. There are a lot of similarities between a lot of them, but it's that um, you know, for this amount of weeks, this is your food plan or your meal plan, um, but not necessarily the education to go with it, which is what I love about you know with the CJ Rubik. It's actually this is why you you might be doing what you're doing. And I think, as you said too, it's um, it's not extreme in the terms of some people think, oh, I'm going to have to do this for my whole life, but, you know, you're going to eat forever and move and do those things. So it's about, yeah, finding out what works for your body. And even though it's not um, sexy to sell, I guess, in terms of, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not going to, people aren't going to look at you in three months and be like, well, I didn't recognise you. You know, it'll be, yeah, your wellness for long, long time. Yeah, it's, which is, I find it really exciting when someone goes, I was talking to my friend about how the results I've got and they asked me what I did and I said, I went for a walk every day and I just matched my food to my movement. And yeah. people are just like, like, it doesn't sound awesome on paper, but when you look at, I guess, like us, busy parents, just walking every day and matching food to movement is like awesome. You can have spend all your other willpower and all the other stuff you got to do and just make this stuff mm. easy, which, which is what I'm, my, I'm so passionate about is trying to show people that this stuff doesn't have to be the number one priority. It should still be yeah. a priority, but it doesn't have to be the only thing you're doing. You don't have to sacrifice other stuff to achieve what you want. Well, I think too, I've been conditioned to believe that if we're not doing something that, uh, you know, jolts of the system, that it, it won't work or it can't work because that doesn't, that sells more programs of whatever the product or the, you know, services that's being sold. It's that you, you know, it has to be done in a certain way. But it's actually, you know what, there's a lot of different options and everyone's so individual that, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you sell it way better than what I do. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's so good. So obviously, you know, going through that and, you know, looking at how your philosophies evolved. Um, and like you're saying, with having gone through it yourself as well, with, you know, your fitness journey, how's how's the way that you eat, move and re energize changed over um say from when you, you know, started being PT and you kind of went through, you know, um using the supplements. How did you shift from that and that way of training to the way that you train now? Um, especially I know at the moment you're training for the um bright ultra beast button. You're going back for more. Yes. Stupidly. Um <laughs> the yeah. I guess because when I was doing the supplements and stuff well, I did a pretty extreme diet called Carb Night, which is actually like just basically the keto diet or keto cycling diets that they do now where you do no carbs for six days and then you have carbs on the seven day. I did that for like almost two years and I got great results with it, but I just burnt out in the end because my training was so much more bringing in food wise. Okay. Yeah. I think with everything that's happened to me, I've always sort of, 
hit rock bottom and then had to figure a different way out to make if that makes sense with the alcohol it was like yeah i'm going to lose my job i'm going to lose everything how do i get out of this and i had to figure out do that first step to go beyond blue and then the psychologist gave me steps to overcome all the stuff that i was dealing with and then with the training yeah. and stuff i hit rock bottom in a sense where nothing i did training wise would give me a result i wasn't getting enjoyment anymore and i just didn't want to train i got to that stage where training was just not on my radar or things i wanted to do so i had mm-hmm. to yeah. figure out a way which is basically the methodology of um where the cj rubric sort of come from and we've refined it as we've gone but going back to basic basics of doing the smallest amount of training that i could do to let my body recover and then refeeding myself again with food, allowing myself to relax yeah. and eating a more balanced approach where it wasn't so restrictive so I could just switch my brain off and start enjoying the process again. It almost, yeah, reckon, okay. it probably took about a year of me training maybe five, ten minutes a day. I usually would train most days. I found it easier to stick mm-hmm. to something doing it every day for a really short amount of time. And yeah. very every now and then doing a longer session with joining into a class or whatever it was. And then food-wise, I basically, well, when Kat, I think Kat was the big catalyst here. She cooks amazing food. So I just basically ate whatever she cooked me at dinner. Mm-hmm. And my lunches were always the same. They were always low carb. I just had the habit of making like a chicken, spinach and dressing meal. And I just did that and then started yeah. eating my brekkies again, which I wasn't eating for a while, and just kind of relaxed and yeah. didn't stress about anything, didn't worry about my weight going up or down or sort of let go of mm-hmm. it. Tried to find if I enjoyed the process again. Yeah. And in that time, I, I kind of battled like that imposter syndrome where I was promoting we should do training all the time at that time that's what i was like you need to train no matter what this is what you got to do to get the result if you don't train you're not going to get the result you need to diet hard yeah. what i was doing was totally different to what i was preaching if that makes sense yeah 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 so i was out of my value like saying, not i was really you. struggling with it yeah so i had to make it like Gradually started, and people started noticing too, like my training that I was giving to people started being more not as intense and more focused on quality versus the quantity. And then the food thing was changing. People were like, oh, I went off my meal plan. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What did you start tomorrow? That'd be all right. Don't stress it. It's only one meal. And I started relaxing. People, what I found was once I started relaxing with coaching people in and on myself, and just allowing people to mm. feel their way to what feels good for them was sort of that's when yep. results started coming. When I did the really hard yeah. training, really hard diets for people, when I delivered it to them, they got results and then mm-hmm. they lost it. And that was the thing that would rub me wrong. It was amazing they got results, but I was gutted every time that the results didn't last. They sort of regressed and went back. And, yeah. yeah. And I was sort of thinking. And so, how do you. That, um, Sorry. When you're coaching someone or in my. Head, I'm always like, will this work three years from now? If it doesn't work three years from now, I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's the thing, like you, you know, brought up before and about touched on about parenting and about that, you know, we've got the traffic light system with, you know, what the days are going to be like, and the fact that, you know, you um, 
no day's the same and no night's the same. And that, like you're saying, if you can't sustain it or you feel like you're a failure because you've missed a training or you've eaten off the plan, then, you know, just throwing it all out, the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I, I know people who, you know, signed up for 12-week challenges and, you know, the first week it hasn't worked for them, so they've just stopped altogether. Yeah. And these are programs that they've paid for and signed up for in advance and, you know, um, yeah, just get on that kind of merry-go-round, I guess, where you hop on and you hop off and you hop on and you hop off again. Yeah, um, it's kind of it's, – it's very good marketing in the fitness industry to just make everyone feel that it has to be all, like, just guns blazing or do nothing. There's nothing yeah, around yeah. being like super balanced, finding your way forward that works for you. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be around. Like it's going to have to be eventually because everyone's going to burn out and not be able to do anything and they'll just hate on every kind of exercise that comes out because they just cook themselves. It's just yeah, it's yeah. A, the big battle, like you said, especially with parents juggling all the priorities that change so quickly. Like planning is has to be – yeah, you still need to plan, but it's just got to be such a flexible approach to doing it. You can't be yeah, too rigid. Yeah. Like people yeah, do have exactly. success being rigid, but not everyone's like that. It's pers- some personalities just no. have that idea of being super rigid. And I definitely relate to that in terms of, you know, when I'm on, I'm on, and when I'm off, I'm off, you know, and, um, and having that, you know, being kind of in, a bit of a no man's land in terms of like you're saying, you know, wanting to train or not wanting to train or doing what you enjoy. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, whether it like it was soccer for yourself, you know, that for me or some people haven't found what that is yet for them. You know, they, they're doing exercises because they think they have to do them to get the results, but they haven't actually found what movement they really love and that loves them back, you know, in terms of um, moving their body. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like where coaching online for me made more sense where instead of sort of saying, come in, do this program, this is the thing we're going to do, this is how we do things, I'm sort of, mm. I felt better asking people like, what do you like doing? If you like going for a walk, yeah. let's work it so we can get you lean and all you're doing is walking because that's what you're going to, that's your no-brainer. You're going to show up and do that all the time. And like for yours yeah. was netball. Your netball was your no-brainer. So it was always yeah. Like when we mm-hmm. coached you, it was like how are we? How do we do this? Juggle this meal thing, this food thing, so you can stay lean and get lean. But you get to do the thing you want to do. You don't have to try and exactly. do crazy. And that makes it and that's, way easier, especially as a parent, because our willpower is like next to nothing anyway, because it's sucked up looking after mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> sort of yeah. Finding that thing that we're gonna enjoy is much. Like you're gonna do that for the rest of your life. First, forcing yourself into a a bucket, which is that I must join a gym because this gym the gym gets results. You can get results doing anything. That's what you have to do. Pretty much. Yeah, and I think that you know so true. And I think sometimes if I did you know have training plan or wanted to do something, I'd be like. If it was a netball game tonight, would I have the energy to go play? Of course I would because I love it, you know, so I can do that other thing. But it's interesting to know how that changes over time, you know, like I yeah. know for Scott, he loves playing footy and, you know, tonight, they, you know, he played yesterday going for a recovery swim. Love swimming now, you know, that's become a bit of a new thing. So things change too, you know, you're not always going to love what, and what you can do in that moment because as our bodies change in, you know, through pregnancy, childbirth or through 
age or workload, you get more fatigued, you know. It can, um, yeah, having that flexibility, having that flexibility for training. What do you want people to kind of gain from you or uh, know, like, with your, you know, you meet someone or someone comes to coach with you, what is it that you want to leave them with or, uh, you know, give them? I guess, like, um, the way... I'm trying to get the coaching into people is that they can choose the journey that they want to take, like the type of training they want to do, the foods they want to eat, but just showing them how to tweak it so they can get, like we always say with the coaching is like get lean and stay lean and get strong, whatever that means to them, but how they can do that for the rest of their life. But like, most importantly, like the traffic light system, how to do stuff yeah. when you're in a red light scenario because anyone can do anything when they're in a green light. You, when you've got all the time in the world, you've got no stress, no kids, everything like that, you can go do the next 12-week program and you will do it because you don't have mm. any stress. But what yeah. happens when you're super stressed, especially these days, that's usually the default. Default habits like mm-hmm. my one... When I'm super, super stressed, my default habit I'm still struggling with is eating pizza. I still go out and eat pizza when I'm having a really, really, really shitty time. So showing people how to deal with these really stressful times and then still do these things like move, eat, re-energize, which is like the basis for nearly everyone to sort of live a happy, healthy life. And what, what to do when they're in these situations and knowing that it doesn't have to be a massive amount. It can be a really small amount, but you can still tweak the things that you need to tweak so you can stay lean, which is the hardest part. Getting lean tends, like everyone knows how to get lean. It's still challenging, but people can do it. It's the staying lean, which is the hard part long-term. And I'm trying to sort of, what I'm trying to give people is like, we're going to get you lean, but the way we're going to do it is a way that you can do it for the rest of your life. And if you'd want to try other things, this is how you tweak it. And you can sort of put it in this funnel of, okay, as long as it fits this thing, like, if I move more, I eat more. If I move less, I eat less. And I re-energize mm-hmm. to come back at the best me the next day. And yeah. just rinse, wash, repeat and keep doing that for the rest of your life. I think the thing, isn't it, like you're saying about getting lean, you know, input, output, whatever, everyone knows how to do it, but it's that staying lean without just going, all right, I'm going to let loose for a month then I'm going to rein it back in then I'm going to let it go and rein it in and just have that up, down, up, down, but actually being able to maintain it. And like you're saying, with the rinse, wash, repeat, because it's such a habit, it's so repetitive that it's it's easy to do. You don't have to think about it or worry about it or count, measure, etc. With yeah. um, with you saying about um, like pizza for your example yourself, and I know yeah. you um sent an email out. You know, I'm loving your daily emails. The subscribing is just fantastic because I think there was one last week about triggers and yes. about identifying what your triggers are. So I guess when I was overcoming the alcoholism and stuff like that, the best thing, the absolute best thing of three years of psychology, the one thing that stuck with me the most was the psychologist said, you need, you have triggers. Everyone's got triggers. Your triggers are these things. And we listed off like there was like six of main things that most other, like any little triggers were based on these big things. And it was all about my childhood, funnily enough. And then we put these triggers on a piece of paper, like a card, 
we cut it out to card size, laminated it and put it in my wallet. And what we did was every time I got triggered to want to drink or anything like that, I'd go to the toilet and sit in there and read this card, which is like, if you feel this with this trigger, instead of this, do this. So if then, then that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, so super explicit. Yeah, and that whole triggers thing, like it's that going to the toilet, sitting down, reading the card, and that happened heaps early on. I was, the guys joke about it now when we, well, I'd still go to the pubs and everything with them, and then I'd be yeah. sitting there talking to them, and then I'd just walk off and go to the toilet. Yeah. Gone for like five minutes and I come back out and I was fine. And then I'd just I'd do that like three, yeah. four times a night and then gradually it would be less and less. But the yeah. I didn't have that skill of knowing like just making the the unconscious habits when you have a trigger. Like there's one that a lady I was coaching, like when the kids come home, she'd go and eat the same snacks that the kids were having. It was just the fact that yeah. the kids were home and the trigger of like, okay, kids are home, it's gonna be a little bit more stressful. I'm gonna have a snack. Because most people, mm-hmm. when stress kicks in, they go to f- like some kind of food that feels good for them. And it's just yeah. putting something in front of that skill, that habit that is the default habit that you want to change, put something positive in front of it before you go do the negative mm-hmm. one to try and change the journey or change the choice. Not so much yeah. like don't do this bad thing. It's more like do this before you want to do that. And then if you do this thing, you might not even want to do that. So. Yeah, but I think too, like you're saying, with with it being unconscious and like I know it used to be when the kids were little, put them down for a sleep, go straight to the pantry or straight to the fridge without even thinking that. I wasn't checking, am I hungry? Do I want to eat? You know, it was just this habit of yeah. they're down now, I'm on my own, I'm going to have something to eat. I'm not good. But I think too, and that to me connects with me in terms of that mindfulness of being present, being in that moment of um, what you're doing, you know, not standing and I've, you know, I've done this many times, standing, talking, on the phone, scrolling and just putting my hand to my mouth with whatever was in front of me and then looking and going, hmm, that's all the chips go. <laughs> Where does the <laughs> go? Um, so being aware, I guess, of, yeah, aware of the triggers and then aware of what you're doing in those moments. But as you say, putting something before that stimulus and your response, having that in between. Um, yeah. And I think you wrote in it, you know, like doing – 10 squats or, uh, you yeah. know, doing a, a, a burst, you know, uh, exercise or um, whatever it is that you're, um, that you're about to indulge in. Yeah, but you can of, still indulge as well, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of like the way we did it was when I was in the, the session with the psychologist, she had a piece of paper and it was like, what are the things that will take the trigger, what are the triggers? what's the actions I'm taking that takes me away from what the best version of me was and what are the things that will take me to the best version of me? And then I just wrote down all these things and she said, okay, draw lines from the, the without better choice of the better word, the shitty actions to the positive ones mm. that take the same yeah. amount of effort and time to do. So I started drawing lines up and lines were going everywhere and we created a list basically of like when this trigger happened, I did this thing which took the same effort, same amount of time roughly a little bit of willpower, which is always will be when you're trying to change it. But I did that thing before and then she said, she said, you can still do the negative thing afterwards, the one that's taking you away, but do the positive one first. Mm-hmm. And yeah. matching yeah. that stuff up time-wise was huge because you could say like something like, oh, I feel like having a bit of chocolate and you go, okay, instead of having a chocolate, I'm going to go do an hour workout. Having a chocolate takes you five seconds. 
you always will go yeah. to first. So you matching that sort of whatever the good habit is you want to try and introduce to the time frame roughly of what the chat habit is you're trying to change and just yeah, like like you said, turning that unconscious thing to a conscious thing so you have the choice. And then whatever you choose but is think- okay. Not really stressing about which one you chose. It's just going with it and then go, okay, if I did choose one it took takes me away, it's only one thing. Mm. I can get back on track yeah. the next thing I do. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful too, even that knowing and writing it down and knowing what your go-tos are because it's easy to not have the food in the house. And But, you know, if you're going to a party or you're going to a social gathering or whatever it is, yeah, that you know what your triggers are, you know what you're trying to avoid. Maybe you're not trying to avoid things. You don't need to worry about it. But if you are, that, you, um, that you're able to identify it um, for yourself. And I know that with the red light system that we keep referring to a red light traffic light system, it is that, you know, when you know there are times of stress coming, being able to um, prepare for that in terms of your moving, eating and re-energising too. Yeah, and sort of giving yourself a plan ahead of time, which yeah, it's kind of that thing around planning. People sort of think it takes away your freedom. But I think mm. planning actually allows you to have more freedom because you take stuff out of your head that you don't have to try and think about all the time, like writing the plan down and like if then, then that's kind of stuff. Doing yeah. all that stuff ahead of time feels like it takes a lot of work and then like, oh, I'm losing my freedom of choice and stuff like that. But it gives you freedom and stuff that actually makes a difference to what you want to do. It gives you freedom mm-hmm. to do yeah. high-level tasks, freeing your space, brain up to do those kind of things versus having to always think about what type of food you're going to eat or what you're going to eat. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like it is good to think about it, but you don't want to spend all the time in the world on it because that's when you'll go to your default habits because you're like, I don't want to think about it right now. And there's research being done into that in terms of the amount of energy you have to give to tasks per day. And there are some celebrity people, I suppose, that have done things like they wear certain clothing all the time so they don't have to think what am I going to wear today or uh, how am I going to do my hair or sort of more menial tasks that we do every day you don't you're not using your energy making those choices so as you're saying like if you like for example if you sat down and organized what you're going to wear every day of the week and it was all there ready um, which might take 10 minutes to do would save you 20 minutes over the week for example you know you're getting that time back and then in the context that we're speaking of you know in terms of playing eating for example you know meal prep and that sort of thing it does um we you know, are done the grocery shop for the week and now I'm going to prep all the all the gear so then I don't have to think about it now I know what we're going to eat every night of the week and it takes that um that stress away and that energy away from well, instead of you know spending that time preparing dinner at 5 30 I can do a, a hit workout or do a, a yoga flow or you know move my body in a different way than being yeah worry about that I like it yeah it's cool it makes just I think the planning and stuff just gives you more freedom than what people think it does. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I know that you use sprint blocks as well or you have done in terms of, you know, throughout your day and the hours that you spend before your house is awake to be able to, um, you know, feel like you've, you know, ticked off a lot of your boxes for the day before the day's begun for most people. Yeah, it's kind of like people... Like I don't recommend people get up at 4 or 3.30 in the morning. I go to bed very early to do it. But 
ticking everything off before Theo even wakes up that I need to tick off. Mm-hmm. Just mentally mm-hmm. for me makes me have a much happier time with him. When I mm-hmm. don't and I'm having Theo for the day as the stay-at-home dad, the whole time I'm just thinking about the stuff I've got to do. And that for me yeah. is just stressful, which is part of the stuff that I went through when I was giving up drinking and stuff is juggling, figuring out the things that work for me, which was always get the early wins in the day. So motivation wise, I feel good for the day. Yeah. And mood's a massive thing, isn't it? And that's, um, well, I guess the re-energize habit comes in, in terms of, you know, being able to, um, set your mind for the day or your intentions for the day and, um, how you want to feel and you making those decisions rather than reacting to, external stimuli for it yeah like that's pretty much like what you said is perfect in the sense like um oh what's the word i was going to use so being instead of being reactive being proactive and doing focusing Mm. on the your control area what is the thing that's in your power to do and plan that yeah when as a parent stuff's going to happen all the time like what happened with you guys on the weekend shit's going to happen all the time (laughs) it changes the plan but having Everything mm. in your control planned and if something changes, that's fine, but you've still got control to get back on track really quickly afterwards. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I think too it's about, yeah, as we were saying, that perspective and looking at um, where you're at and um, what, you know, the silver linings, the positives of what, um, of what, can, um, what can happen. Yeah, I think um, like most things you can find a silver lining with, most things. Yeah, yeah. And some things just aren't, aren't great and that's, that's life too. That's yeah, exactly. Too. It's not like you're going to go, everything is smooth sailing. Struggles is certainly yeah. good. It's character building from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes mm. shit happens and there's nothing you can do about it. Then focus on the things in your control again. Yeah, and what you can learn from it, I think, too, like I do, I do a little thing when, um, when I'm out and about and so I did this morning when I was out at the shops and that's, you know, um, leaving people with a, you know, I hope I hope you have a fantastic day or I hope you're going to have a fabulous day. And people will always respond with you too. And whenever they say you too, I always say I will or I'm going to um, with the real certainty about it and they sort of, you know, and the real positivity. And it, and it lifts you. I'm lifting myself in that moment, you know, in just and also my children are hearing me say that as well all the time, you know. Um, or, you know, taking a trolley back to someone, you know, doing all these little random acts of kindness change the way you feel. So, you know, it might be a little bit of um, selfish um, altruism, but I think it, um, it it changes your attitude, which is a, a good thing. Okay, that's awesome. That's such a good way to go about your day. Uh, as I say, it changes. Yeah, I feel almost selfish doing it because of the way I feel when I do it. <laughs> but, um, but you notice a change in the person's face as well, you know, just, talking to someone for no reason um you know you do get some people that are a bit suspicious that um why why do you want to take my trolley and they think you know there's no coin in here um but um yeah it's um but it's yeah it's a feel good it's a feel good thing um so what is your overarching mission and purpose Chris? as we start to wind up basically just to show people a real simple way to get the goals that they want like there's sort of yeah Cutting through the, or just helping with the shiny object syndrome and trying to make things more complicated than what they need to be. I'm, a, I'm bad for doing it, like using a business sense. 
I make my business way more complicated than it needs to be. And when I go back to basics, it always works better. And then I think get shiny yeah. object syndrome and go for that new butte app or something to make everything life changing. And it just makes, just builds up more stress. So I'm sort of, yeah. my goal is to like show, especially the parents that I coach is like, show them a really, really simple way for them to achieve their goals. And the simpler mm-hmm. it is and the more reasonable it is, the longer they'll be able to do it. And yeah. I think that getting away from the idea of doing this all or nothing or it has to be super challenging, it has to be always hard, it has to be this, it has to be that. It's like, no, nah, just find a way that works for you that you enjoy to do because it's meant, you're going to do it for the rest of your life so you might as well enjoy doing it. Mm. And I think that's what I like to do about your approach in that it is individualised and even when you mentioned, you know, what is strong for you? What is fit for you? And it's different for everybody. You know, not everyone wants to run a marathon. Not everybody wants to, you know, lift a hundred kilo deadlift. You know, so it's, well, what what does that look like for you? And then how can we get you there? How will yeah. help you get yourself there? And like like you said, that's a moving target as well. Like everybody changes with their goals depending on what happens around mm-hmm. them in their life. Like they could have a goal of like I just want to be strong so I can dance. And then something mm. might happen and they might have to, they have an injury and they've got to rehab and they're like, now my goal is like, I, I want to be strong so I can um, get back to dancing and that changes everything. Or they might even move away from dancing, like they just don't want to do it anymore. It's so yeah. funneling people into this one Always. idea of doing training only is just yeah. not productive in the sense where we're not helping enough people. It's still only... 18% of it or 20% of Australia's population that joins gyms and works out. There's still wow. 80% of Not people much. that don't do any of that kind of stuff. And I want to try mm. and help the other 80%. That 20% or whatever it ends up, 20 to 30, it's all competing in the gyms. You see it all the time. Like people just keep moving <laughs> around different gyms and doing different things, which is totally cool. But I just want to help people who probably hate the idea of gyms and show them that there is a way that you can mm. still get what you want. You don't have to go to the gym to yeah. do Thanks for listening to the Movie in Re-Energize podcast show. If you like what you're hearing, can you please share it on social media, send it to your friends so we can get the word out. Also, just so you know, there's three ways you can start getting help from the CJ Rubric with us. So first, get our big three for fat loss infographic and our seven-day fat flush course. Go to the website and go to the landing page for the big three for fat loss and you'll get a PDF and a seven day video course to help you get started. We also have a give five, get 25 coaching call where we sit down and I ask you questions for five minutes, which is just research for me to see how I can help you people better. And then you get 25 minutes to ask me anything you like and I will help you and build a plan for you to move forward. And lastly, we do coaching online. So if you would like to get in contact with me about how to become one of our CJ Rupert legends, Jump on the site, go to the coaching tab and fill in the form. Thanks for listening, guys.